Welcome to the weekend message from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach, California. Whether you are listening across the street or across the globe, we hope you'll find encouragement for your daily life through this podcast. All right, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. And uh, as excited as I am to not be waiting anymore, but actually be moving into Huntington Beach, which is always waiting sucks. And I, there's going to be chaos and all kinds of work, but I'd rather be moving forward with it than just waiting around here. So that's all good, but I'm super excited about what we're doing today. And if you've never been to a healing service before, you are in one now. And some of you are like, oh, 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 my heart. You know, this makes you nervous even saying that this is a healing service. And I understand it because uh, the first healing service I've ever been in was last night up in the big box. And so I didn't know what to expect. You might be sitting here saying, what is going to go on? But we're going to talk about it for the next few minutes out of Matthew chapter 8 and 9. And then uh, this could be a very, very powerful Sunday for you. All right, so let, let's just sort of talk a little bit about what goes through your mind when you heal, hear healing service. And maybe you think Kevin does not look like a faith healer, or you sort of have these images of evangelists or certain people on TV knocking people down, slaying them in the spirit, that you have you know, people that travel around and do these kinds of things, or maybe you think of things happening overseas because you hear a lot about lots of sort of mystical, crazy, strange things happening in faith communities overseas. Or maybe you think back to the olden days of the Bible, and yeah, I know there was a lot of healing then. But one of the questions that clearly comes up is, does God still actually need to heal right now? I mean, after all, back in Jesus' day, there was not a lot of option if you were in trouble. If you had physical problems or emotional or social or relational problems, uh, if God didn't intervene in some way, it wasn't like he could take them down to the health clinic or over to you know, the hospital. Families didn't sign up with HMOs. And there were not those kinds of things back then, but we have all of that. We have science and technology, and we have medical history, and we're able to cure and heal things that in the past were mysterious and people just died from. And when you think about that or you think about uh, when people get addicted to things now, we have support groups and clinics that people can go to. When you think about emotional problems that people have, you know, there's all kinds of counseling and support groups and things like that that we have out there as well. And you might be thinking, you know, does God really need to be in the healing business anymore? Uh, and maybe God's really glad that we've all progressed to such a point that he doesn't need to worry about healing any of us because... Uh, because it's taken care of, because we, we have the technology, we have the knowledge, we have the ability to heal ourselves. And maybe God's just saying, woo, now I can focus on world peace and the big issues because all that's taken care of. And of course, as I say that, you're thinking, well, that's stupid. Of course, there still needs to be healing. There's more disease now, more kinds of disease now than there ever have been in the history of mankind. Uh, there are all kinds of emotional problems that people have, addictions. There's a lot of people that deal with addictions. Outside of that, just the grinds of life put us in places where, you know, we get become depressed or despairing about what's happening. Uh, you would think for all the progress that we've made in our abilities to heal, that we would be reaching some kind of utopia as a society, as a world. And yet you look around and you say, we, we're not reaching a utopia at all. Things are as bad as they've ever been. And here's the point. 
if Jesus heals, we still need it, right? If Jesus does heal, we still need it. And what I want to do is I want to race through a bunch of healing stories that occur in Matthew 8 and 9. It's very interesting. We've just left the Sermon on the Mount. We've spent a few weeks going through that. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God coming. And after that, if you just glance through in your Bibles, if you look in chapters 8, uh, 8 and 9, you'll see that there are like 10 healing stories. It is amazing. It's just like sort of this flurry of activity of Jesus healing. And we're going to talk about why that happens right after the Sermon on the Mount. But if you have your Bibles, turn to chapter 8. And what I want to do is I'm going to blitz through these stories. We're not even going to read the whole thing. But I want to bring out some patterns that we see as we sort of rifle through these two chapters, okay? So if you are looking at your Bible, you'll see in chapter 8, verse 1, immediately there's an opportunity. A leper, a person with leprosy, comes to Jesus, and he wants to be healed. And just in that day, leprosy was a nerve disease that impacted the skin, and it was, people were deathly afraid of it. So much so that if somebody had leprosy, and they believed in that day that it was contagious, if somebody had leprosy, they could not go into any public setting. And in fact, if they ever came around people, they would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, and people would scatter because people were so afraid of contracting this disease. So when the leper comes to Jesus, there's a physical problem. Yes, he's got leprosy. There is a huge social problem for this guy, too. He has literally not been touched in years by anyone. Think about that. Think about living your life and never having anyone touch you. And that's what this happens to this guy. And we read in verse 3 that he comes to Jesus. Jesus reaches out, touches him, says, I am willing to heal you. Uh, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappears. And so we have a physical and really kind of a social, relational healing that takes place right at that moment. As we continue through, another opportunity comes. A centurion, a Roman centurion, comes to Jesus. And just to be real clear what we're talking about here, Roman centurion were the most hated, despicable people in all of Israel. They were a Gentile, not Jewish to start with. They were from Rome, an oppressive country. They were a soldier, the ones that were actually oppressing the people. And this guy was a leader. He was a commander, probably like a colonel. And so if there was anyone that the Jews hated, it would have been this centurion. Yet he comes to Jesus and he says, my servant is sick. Jesus says, I will come and heal him. Very interesting. Jesus doesn't pull back because of sort of, uh, you know, uh, the stereotype of this guy. And uh, then the guy makes a great statement. He says, you don't need to come with me. If you just say the word, I know he'll be healed. Jesus is totally impressed with his faith. In fact, there's only two times in the whole New Testament that Jesus commends somebody for faith, and this is one of them. And this guy's not even a Jew. And Jesus said, this guy has great faith. And his servant is healed. And his servant is healed. Then we continue on, and we have another just sort of throw-in miracle. This is kind of a cute thing. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law, they go to Peter's house, and his mother-in-law is sick. And uh, Jesus is coming over for dinner, and there's a problem because the person that prepares dinner is sick. And so it just says that Jesus heals her. 
And um, I know that I'm sort of projecting on Jesus because I'm sure he did not have the ulterior motive, but he was probably, if it was me, looking forward to this great meal that this Jewish mama is going to cook for him, and she's sick, and there's nothing being cooked. And so he goes, well, I'll take care of that. And he heals her up. She gets up and makes dinner. And so that's just sort of a throw-in. It's kind of interesting that they throw that in. Then you continue through chapter 8, and you get down to verse 28. Jesus goes to a place called the Gadarenes, And there, there is a graveyard, and there's two men in the graveyard that are possessed by demons. And uh, and they are in bad shape. They are running around naked. They are howling. They are cutting themselves with stones. They're totally isolated. They're freaking people out. Nobody wants to be around them. And it's interesting. They run up to Jesus when he comes there, and it's not even the two men that talk to Jesus. Uh, The story makes it really clear. The demons talk to Jesus and start to negotiate with Jesus because he know, they know that Jesus is going to heal these men. And so they talk Jesus into to putting them into a herd of pigs. And maybe you know the story, and then the pigs like rush down this cliff and all die and kind of bum out the townspeople because they like their pigs. Uh, but he heals these men. And it's kind of an interesting thing because he doesn't even talk to the men, really. He talks to the demons inside. The men don't even really show faith. You don't know what's happening with the men. Uh, But Jesus does this incredible healing uh, in that setting. And then you have, uh, in chapter 9, you go over to 9, and a paralytic is healed. It's a great story. This guy who's paralyzed gets his buddies to carry him on a mat to go see Jesus But Jesus is teaching in this house, and it's so crowded that they can't get in. So his buddies devise this plan. They actually go up onto the roof of the house. Houses were made uh, at that time where you could actually dig through the roof. And they dig through the roof. And, you know, it must have been a really kind of humorous scene. Jesus is teaching. All these people are surrounding him. All of a sudden, they hear things up on the roof. Pretty soon, little bits and pieces are falling down on people underneath. You know, Jesus is standing back. And pretty soon, the whole thing caves in. And these, you know, faces are looking down, you know, kind of checking it out. Everybody's looking up. And then they lift their buddy on a mat down into the middle of where Jesus is. And rather than being annoyed that he's been interrupted, Jesus marvels. And he says, because of the faith of your friends, uh, I will heal you. And actually, before he heals them, he says, I'll forgive your sins. And the religious leaders are there listening. And they are outraged that Jesus would have so much gall as to think he could forgive sins. And Jesus said, well, if you don't think I can forgive sins, let me prove it to you. And he tells the guy to get up and go home. And the guy gets up and goes home. And Jesus not only heals him physically, but spiritually. He forgives this man's sins. So that's kind of an interesting story. So you have these stories, and I didn't even get through all of them, but you have these stories in rapid fire, just repeating after, one after another, after another, after another. Clearly, Matthew, as the storyteller here, is trying to communicate that Jesus came as a healer. And here's what's so important. It follows on the heels of Jesus talking about the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is going to be like. When Jesus comes in all of his power, what God wants to do, how he's going to restore people and heal people and bring people back into wholeness. And then, as soon as he's done teaching that, there's this flurry of healings, of restorations that occur. And it's basically Jesus saying, I know what I'm talking about. I've got power. Things are not going to be the same. The kingdom of God has come. 
And there's some things I just want you to look at quickly uh, that are very important, I think, to see here. Uh, Here's the first thing. There are a variety of problems that Jesus heals. He does not only do physical healings. In fact, in the stories that I told you, the only one that was purely physical was Peter's mother-in-law. Everyone else, if they had a physical need, also had another need, a social need, a spiritual need, an emotional need, a relational need. Uh, Everybody had needs that were broader than just physical healing. And Jesus healed holistically. He didn't just take care of the one problem. He took care of the whole problem. And that's part of what it means to be restored. We are much more than physical beings. If Jesus just healed us physically, we would still be a mess, right? We'd still be a mess. He heals much broader than just physically. And here's the second thing that you observe from these healings, is he uses a variety of methods, okay? So there's times where the person who needs to be healed shows great faith. And Jesus even says, because of your faith, you're going to be healed. There's other times where the person doesn't show faith, but their friends or their family show faith. And Jesus says, because of their faith, I will heal you. Uh, We didn't see any of these in here, but there's times where no one shows faith, and Jesus still heals, which is an interesting thing, because some people I've heard say, if you don't show faith, God can't move. No way. God is not limited by our faith or lack of faith. He does what he does. He's not limited by whether we show faith. Uh, Although faith usually goes alongside of healings. There are times where he touches people to heal them. Like the leper who'd never been touched before. For years he's not been touched. And Jesus just goes out of his way to say, not only will I heal you, but I'm so confident in the healing. Look, I'm touching you. What nobody else would do. And then there's times where he's not even in the same vicinity and he just makes a command, and somebody's healed that's not even around. So it's really important to understand, there's no formulas for healing. It's not like Jesus always did it. He said, well, do these three things, and healings occur. He had a lot of ways that he healed. There was no formula to it. So here's what I want to do. Let me tell you about the last two stories, uh, well, that I'm going to focus on. They're both in chapter 9, because there's one other part of this that I want to point out. And that is that uh, in Matthew 19, 18, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. And I'm going to tell you a story that also is filled in with Mark and Luke's gospel account. So you're not going to see everything that I'm telling you as you glance through. Matthew sort of uh, boils it down to just the facts, ma'am. So let me fill in a little bit more. But there's a synagogue leader that comes to Jesus named Jairus. And Jairus has a little girl, and his little girl's about to die. And this is a very interesting thing, because the synagogue leader, of course, is a religious leader, a Jewish religious leader. Overall, did Jesus get along with the Jewish religious leaders or not? Yes or no? No, generally not. And probably this guy had actually kicked Jesus out of the synagogue, because the Jewish leaders were getting bummed out that Jesus was coming in and giving some teachings that they didn't feel comfortable with. He had a huge following, and that made them insecure. It's very likely that Jairus had actually kicked Jesus out of his synagogue. What would make Jairus come to Jesus when he, in so many ways, everything Jesus stood for, he was against, Jairus was against? What do you think would make Jairus come to him? He was desperate. His little girl was dying. 
And he'd heard that Jesus could heal. And he didn't know anyone else who could heal. So he comes. And it's so great because instead of Jesus looking at Jairus and saying, what are you doing here? Newman. You know, why are you? Why are you showing? Oh, sure. You know, you, you, until you really need something. Okay, Jairus, I'll do something. But first you admit you're wrong and I'm right. Okay, Jairus, you admit that. Jesus doesn't do any of that. He says immediately to him, I'll come, I'll come, I'll come and heal your daughter. So they start walking through the crowd and there's a lot of people pressing in on Jesus. And then another thing that sort of out of the blue occurs is Jesus is walking through the crowd and all of a sudden he feels power zapped out of him, uh, which, uh, you know, that's never happened. I don't know what that feeling feels like, but for some reason Jesus said as he's walking through, somebody's touched me, power has zapped out of me. And so uh, everybody's looking around, and Jesus says, well, who touched me? And the disciples say, who touched you? There's like hundreds of people around you. So many people could have touched you. And he goes, no, no, there's somebody who touched me. And he looks around, and as he looks around, he sees this woman uh, who is, she's probably down on the ground because she has touched the bottom fringe of his robe. And he looks at her, and she is terrified. It says that she is so terrified that she's literally shaking when Jesus looks at her. Okay, so what's just happened here? What, we, what Matthew fills us in on is this woman has been bleeding for 12 years. She has some kind of problem uh, you know, in her body, and so she's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And uh, just to make this clear, that would be bad enough just to have that physical condition, right? I mean, that would be a terrible condition to have. In that society, it was way worse because a woman that was bleeding like that was considered unclean. If you were unclean, it meant you could never go to synagogue. You could never go to the temple. You could never touch another person. You could not sit on things. And you could not be married. And the story tells us that she had spent her whole life savings, all the money that she had, trying to be healed, and she wasn't healed. And she takes a huge risk because there's a crowd around. She shouldn't even be in the crowd, but she hears that Jesus is coming into town, and she takes this huge risk. And listen how big this risk is. If she touches Jesus, the rabbi, what would that make Jesus? Unclean. Huge shame on her town for that. Imagine a celebrity coming through town. She touches him and makes him unclean. Huge risk. Why? Why did she take such a risk? It was her only hope. Her life was over. She, she probably it's over. It's over. Doctors can't fix me. No one will marry me. I can't even go into public. I can't even worship. It's over. I have no hope. And then Jesus shows up and she thinks, maybe, just maybe. And so she reaches through the crowd. She doesn't even want to talk to him. She just thinks, if I can touch his robe. And she does it. And Jesus says, mm, hey, there's power that came out of me. And he looks and he sees her and everybody's gaze goes on to this woman. And everybody in the town goes, oh my gosh, did she just, 
Did Mary just touch Jesus? I don't know if Mary was her name. Did Mabel just touch Jesus? What is she thinking? And Jesus looks at her and he says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. And immediately, she's healed. And again, it's not just physical. Everything about her life is restored at that point. Well, all of this is taking place. And how do you think Jairus is feeling? Jairus' little girl is dying, and he has Jesus moving. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops, and he has this conversation with this woman. And how do you think Jairus is thinking? What do you think he's thinking? He's like, Jesus, come on, come on, come on. My little girl is dying. And again, the Gospels, the other Gospels fill us in. While they are talking to this woman, a messenger comes up to Jairus and says, your little girl has just died. And talk about it's over. Death is the ultimate, it's over. In fact, the messenger goes so far as to say, why bother Jesus anymore? Why bother the teacher? She's dead. Jairus, it's over. And Jesus looks at Jairus, and he says, Jairus, it's not over. Do you believe? Do you believe, Jairus? And Jairus, to his credit, says, I believe. And Jesus says, let's continue. They get to the house. A funeral's already started. And there's people wailing and mourning, and they'd have professional mourners there, actually, that are sort of carrying on. Jesus shows up, and he says, she's not dead. And the people there are like, what do you mean she's not dead? We've seen dead people. She's dead. No, she's not dead. She's asleep. And what do the people do? They laugh. Who is Jesus, man? Jesus says an amazing thing because he calls everybody out of the room, but he tells the parents, you come in with me, along with a couple of his disciples. You come in with me. And they're in there and they're seeing this little girl who has just died. And you imagine the breaking hearts of those parents. And Jesus reached down, reaches down and grabs her hand and basically in the Aramaic says something like this. Honey, get up. And her eyes open. And her lips move. And she gets up. And Jesus looks at Jairus and now his restored family and says, it's not over. It's not over. Last night, I said that I was in the only healing service I've ever been in, and I was up in front, and I got to pray with some people that came up. Let me tell you some of the people and what they shared with me as far as their problems. One guy came up, and he said it this way. He says, I am a smoking fiend. I cannot stop smoking. And it's killing me. And I think he would have said, it's over. I've tried everything. It's over. And I talked to his wife, and his wife said, I've got this really weird thing going on in my body. The doctors can't figure it out. I'm bruising all over the place. All, anything just touches me, and I bruise. And they can't figure it out. She's like, I don't know where else to turn. 
I talked to a woman uh, that literally, she said, I've been bleeding. The doctors can't figure it out. And I said, wow, the teaching today must have been really relevant to you. She goes, it was really relevant to me. And I'm down here because I don't know where else to turn. As far as I know, it's over. I talked to a 40-year-old guy. He was so courageous for coming down because he said, I've been taking care of my mother. She has a chronic disease. She's not going to get better. There's nobody to take care of her except for me. And my life is totally on hold. I cannot move forward. I feel guilty that I am so resenting my mom for this. But my life is wasting away, and I don't know what to do. And I just feel like I'm locked in a cell. It feels like it's over. I talked to a woman whose, whose husband had died, and she said, I think I'm doing okay, but my girls, my daughters are not doing okay. And I need, I need them to get healed. I need God to bring them through this. I talked to a woman who was overweight, and as soon as, as soon as she came up, she paused because I could tell she was embarrassed to even tell me what was going on. And she said something like this, I'm obviously overweight. And she said, it's, been, it's just been my curse for a long time. It's the number one thing I think about all the time. And then she said, and here's the biggest problem, is my daughter now, who's a little overweight, she's starting to act just like me. And I can't bear to think that she's going to go through this. And in her mind, it's over. It's just over. And as we look at how Jesus handled this, we know that he healed holistically, we know that there were no formulas. And we know that he batted a thousand. He never couldn't heal someone, ever. And that brings a dilemma to us, right? Because how many of you have prayed for something, some kind of healing, physical, emotional, relational, you know, social? How many of you, let's just raise your hands, how many of you have prayed for something and it didn't come through? It didn't happen. All right. I mean... If that's never happened to you, I guess I would say you probably don't pray enough about those things because those of us that pray about that, uh, it's sort of ironic. I'm standing up here and I'm sick today. And uh, I started getting sick a couple nights ago and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, oh great, I'm getting sick. And then I thought about what we're talking about and I go, how ironic, Kevin's up here talking about healing and he's actually sick. So I've been praying that God would make me better and I'm better enough to speak today but I'm still sniffling and still a little sick. God does not heal every person at this point. And so what's up with that? And I want to just explain this really quickly to you because I think that it's an important thing. Is that when Jesus came and brought the kingdom of God, he entered in a whole restoration process that the world was going to start experiencing through people that followed him. Through people that followed him. But the idea is it was a gradual process. He was not going to restore everything at that point. He was going to begin restoration. And his death on the cross was the marker of restoration has started. And we live in an age now where restoration has started. And so it is fitting and right for us to pray for healing. Because God does heal. But all the healing won't occur until Jesus comes a second time. And we hear about the second coming, but the significance of the second coming is when Jesus comes next time, 
the whole kingdom comes with him. There is no more waiting at that point. At that point, he brings everything, all the glory, all the restoration, all the wholeness. And here's the truth now. We live in the now, the kingdom has come, and we live in the not yet, but it's not fully come. And it's the reason when we pray for healing that there are times where healing occurs because God is active and involved. And there are times where God says, not yet, not yet. And the Bible tells us that in his wisdom, he does it in perfect love for us. And I know we don't think that because when we're not healed, we wonder, where is God? What's going on with God? But what the Bible tells us is, no, he's involved and he's moving. And the not yet is actually part of his love for us. As hard as that is to believe at times. And so we live in this tension. The now and the not yet. And so how do we react to it? And I love this phrase around here. We call it double-fisted faith. And uh, double-fisted faith means, on the one hand, I believe God could heal me. God can heal me. He's got the power to heal me. I grab onto those promises and I say, I believe it. That's the first fist. But here's the second fist. The second fist is, even if he doesn't, I still believe he's God. And I still believe he loves me. And I still believe he's going to do what's best. He can, and I believe he can. And he might not, but he still loves me. And I will still serve him and follow him as God. Double-fisted faith. And so Jesus, uh, Jesus' brother, actually, James, gives us this command. And this is now setting up, because I'm going to invite you, if you need to be healed, we're going to invite you, actually, to come up. And we have some elders that are going to be up in front, and, uh, and they are going to pray for you. And it is so biblical. In fact, it comes out of this passage in James chapter 5. It says this, it says, if any of you suffering, are any of you suffering hardships, you should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Is that it? Ah, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. This is an incredible promise. Now it's given in the context of now and not yet. So this is not a guarantee that every single thing that you pray about is just going to immediately come true. It is a statement that God is in control and he's going to do what's best for you. So let me explain uh, just a couple of aspects of this. You show great faith by coming down, honestly. And last night I was so impressed. And almost the first thing I said to every single person, the humility you show and the courage you show in coming down here overwhelms me. And God smiles on it. So I know. I know as you're sitting there and sort of thinking, am I going to do this? I got this issue. I've got this problem. Am I going to do it? I'm just telling you, the faith it takes you to get up out of your seat and to come down That's an amazing amount of faith, and God smiles on that. 
Then the people up here have faith. And I experienced this yesterday. Oh my gosh, who am I to be praying for this person to get healed? And sort of that, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't happen? But these people up here are showing faith. The elders are showing faith by saying, hey, we believe. We're going to pray prayers of power, believing that God's going to do something marvelous and great. It says here, anointing with oil. And I just want to make clear, we don't think oil is magic. It is symbolic of God's presence, of his spirit working. So you will have a little bit of oil put onto your forehead by the elders as they pray for you. Uh, And I guess I just want to make it clear, we are not healing anyone. It is God that heals. God heals. And he does it exactly in the right way. And when you come up, something amazing will happen. It may be exactly what you were hoping for. It may be something entirely different, but God will respond to your faith. The rest of us that are not coming up for healing, we are going to sing and worship, and I want you to quietly be praying to yourself for the people you see coming up because this is something that the body does together. This is us doing it together. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. And if you are one of the elders that we've asked to come up, one of the elders and church leaders, will you please come up? And again, as the band comes up, and I'll be praying up here for you as the band comes up uh, and we start to sing, if you would like to be healed, just come up to one of the the four people that are up here. And uh, they would love, they would love to pray with you. Okay? So would you stand? And I want to pray right now for what we're about to do, and then we'll, we'll worship and pray and come up, and we would love to pray with you. Lord, thank you so much for your word and the power of your word. We thank you for the things that you do. And it is true, Jesus, that you healed uh, without fail uh, back in, in the time that you walked the earth. And it's true that you heal today. And we hear of stories of healings, and we know that you have that power. And I pray now that as we come down, that we come in faith. And I pray, Lord, that you will uh, give us the real sense that you are working in our lives. And we pray that you will heal these issues we're talking about. And, Lord, if you don't heal these specific issues, that you will heal the other issues that we know that we know we need healing for. And we are grateful that you hear us and that you're with us and that you are still powerful and that there will be a day when we are completely healed from everything. And we are grateful for that. And so now, Jesus, welcome us as we come for healing. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach. For more information about Mariner's, visit www.marinerschurch.org.